Welcome back to the Exposure Ninja Hello. Podcast Extra with myself, Jess, and the wonderful Tim Cameron Kitchen, who you see on this channel all the time. How are you, Tim? Hi, I'm. Uh, someone left a review on one of our videos. You got the most slappable face, um, but the video is good and not clickbait. So I am. Um, yeah, um, that's fine. That is. Not what I expected you to say, because we've had some wonderful comments <laughs> on our YouTube recently. Just really lovely things. People, you know, saying that they get so much out of our videos and that they're really happy with them. And I'm pretty sure you spoke at an event yesterday where somebody had found you through our YouTube and then was like, hey, do you want to come to the event? So people aren't just saying that he has a slappable face, everyone. <laughs> I just want to make that very clear. <laughs> If, if slappable face increases our click-through rate, then slap away, folks. There we go. What an intro. What an intro today. We have a bunch of great <laughs> topics to talk about, marketing-related, not slapping Tim-related, including some information about Meta releasing a Twitter competitor, um, some states beginning to ban TikTok, and some Google AI advertising tools, as well as some other fun topics that we'll get to if we have time. And as always, um, there will be an opportunity to ask questions at the end. So feel free to leave them in the comments throughout. And um, yeah, we'll get to them at the end. And as always, if you would like to request a website marketing review from the lovely team at Exposure Ninja, you can do so at ExposureNinja.com slash review. Cool. Catch my breath. Now we've got that out of the way, shall we jump into today's first topic, Tim? All yeah, about... let's do it. This has been a big news week in the world of digital marketing. It really so, has. Uh, what's up first? This meta thing. Yeah. I thought this was really interesting because I'm very, basically, it seems that there's been some leaks that meta will be releasing a Twitter competitor, a more text-based social media, um, which will be interesting. I made some notes here saying that um, Instagram in particular, as part of the meta kind of suite of, of products, every time a change is made, it doesn't go down particularly well with the people on the platform. There's a definitely a push where people are saying, you know, we don't want to be making reels. We don't want to be making videos. We just want our photo sharing app back. So it's been quite nice to see that it looks like this will be a whole separate platform um, for this kind of Twitterified version of Instagram that's more kind of text-based. Um, and what's nice about it as well is it will pull over from Instagram or Facebook. So if you already have an account with one, including if you already have words banned in Instagram or you have accounts banned in Instagram, that will actually carry over onto this new app. So it kind of has a bit of like a cross-platform vibe. Um, and I think Tim will agree with me here. There's not really been an app that's come up to kind of compete with Twitter. There's been attempts made, but they just have fallen very, very flat. Um, mm. I don't know what your insight is on this, Tim. Yeah, I, well, I think it's really interesting. I love what you say about every time they add some features to Instagram, whether it's reels or stories, there is backlash. I mean, this is this is Facebook's entire model. The whole history of Facebook yeah. has been changes that users initially hate and then adopt en masse and it, you know it ends up being coming core to their platform so it will be super interesting i think it's a really interesting time to do it they could have done this for years like twitter is one of the simplest social networks to to replicate um yeah i you know i i, I this is one of those announcements i feel like facebook has made a lot of announcements over the years where on the surface you're like that's a weird thing to do can't see this working yes. But then you look back at what those announcements are. It's like Instagram for billion. That seemed crazy at the time. 
Facebook's mobile first priority. That seemed crazy at the time. WhatsApp, 19 billion. What what are they even doing? Great, great acquisition. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oculus still playing out, but you know. And then they went into the copying functionality years from 2016, where they copied Reels. They uh, they copied Snapchat with Stories. They copied um, TikTok with Reels. And to be fair, these things are being widely adopted. So my sort of internal principle about Facebook is never bet against Zuck. He looks like he's crazy. He looks like he's stupid and overpays for these things, but. Dude is more often than not, he's right in the end. They have yeah. had some, they've, you know, they've tried to copy some other, they tried to copy the Cameo app and they've tried to copy a whole bunch of other apps, which they've just sort of taken out the back and put a bullet through. So they're not afraid to kill stuff that doesn't yes. work. Um, it'll be, so, I, I just cannot wait as a user. I can't wait to see how they implement this. There's no, it looks like there's no monetization plans out yet. They haven't spoken about advertising or anything. So for advertisers, obviously, it'd be really interesting to see. And if, if we're able to advertise on this through the Facebook ad platform, then brilliant. Yeah. Because the Twitter ad platform sucks. Yeah. And I know a lot of advertisers have left Twitter recently. I think there was even a scandal this week where um, somebody created a false image, an AI generated image, and then posted it to a falsely verified Bloomberg feed. And then people thought it was real and it was like a bomb on the pentagon or something there was an explosion and that was just you know stuff like that happening the big players aren't going to want to be there they're really not going to be happy with that and um i know like even more people there was two big sort of news accounts can't remember who it was but they had like 10 million followers between them and they both left this week so i think those people are potentially going to be looking for a new space and if instagram can provide something that feels a bit safer for those brands i think they'll be quite quick to um implement ads i think they must have a plan in place they're just not talking about it and also this is based on leaks that we've seen from like influencers who were under nda and who are definitely not supposed to be sharing this so there's definitely going to be like a bunch more stuff um that we haven't seen but one thing i did want to say about this is if you're like how does this relate to me there is actually a different marketing lesson here under the surface about how testing is really important But if your customers are used to one thing and suddenly you try and turn your app or your product into something else, you might get a lot of backlash and it might be better to do something like what Meta finally decided to do and be like, let's do a separate app. You know, they have Facebook Mm. separate, Instagram separate, WhatsApp separate, um, you know, and whenever they try and jump on trends, they try to do like a be real thing and people go, why are you doing that? Stop, please. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is uh, I think it's, it even relates to, you know, people often say, you know, I've got these two businesses that are somewhat related. Should I combine them mm-hmm. into one website or should I have them as different websites? It, it's a similar sort of thing, isn't it? If your audience is different for the two products or your audience is in a different frame of mind for the two products, then you typically want to, you know, you want to have those separate. If this is just like we think that this is a feature or something that the existing audience is going to want or we're building on something that having the same. I think the thing that this has going for it against something like Mastodon, Instagram has two times the number of monthly active users that Twitter does already. So if people are able to just port their accounts over, this could potentially be bigger than Mastodon really quickly. They're making Um, it so easy. It'll be interesting to see how they encourage users to to jump across and how fast they do it as well. Because I think that's the real thing that's stopping a lot of publishers and a lot of influencers from moving over from Twitter is they they don't want to lose their audience. They don't want to lose, 
you know, they want to be talking to a, a large group of people. And if they're going on to Mastodon or one of these other competitors, much smaller pool of, of, um, of potential listeners, of potential people to influence. So, For sure. Yeah, cannot wait, yeah. cannot wait. It's such an exciting time. Yeah, I'm very excited to see how it kind of shakes up the social media space because we haven't had a real contender for a long time. So it's going to be it's going to be no. quite quite exciting. It'd be nice to have something that's shaking up the marketing world that isn't artificial intelligence. Um, but moving on to our other social media news, um, the state of Montana in America has actually banned TikTok. Um, it won't go into effect until January 2024, and I believe TikTok have already gone ahead and trying uh, trying to sue the state of Montana. Montana, America's a pretty wild place. Like there's always people suing other people and people suing an entire state. Like it goes a little bit over my head, but it seems pretty serious. Um, and essentially it's going to be down to the app store itself to um, police this and TikTok rather than individuals. So individuals aren't going to be affected, which I think is important. Um, and I think we could have a long conversation about like the implications of this and what might happen for accounts on TikTok. But I think there's a much better lesson here in terms of if you have all your eggs in one basket and that basket just so happens to be TikTok or any single platform that could have a massive scandal that means that places start to ban it, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if you're relying on one space. Like, Tim, I know you have kind of an, a story from back in the day where you were working with a business who relied on a lot of organic traffic. There was a huge mm. update to Google that just changed the face of SEO forever and they really struggle to get that traffic because they'd put all of their effort into this one place. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's deadly, right? It's, it's such an addiction. You know, you've got creators or businesses that have been entirely launched, all of their audiences on TikTok. It's painful to then go and try and build an audience or build a presence on YouTube or try and get everyone to come and convert on your email newsletter because well, all of my people are on TikTok and it's, it's such an addictive thing. But it's absolutely vital. You don't know in the, the most stable platforms in the world, and TikTok, TikTok is not one given the US-China relationship uh, sort of erosion. Um, you, you, can't, you can't rely on any, any one platform. A one can so easily turn to a zero, and a zero is the worst number in business. So absolutely. yeah, it's a lesson for all of us. Uh, uh, you know, These reminders come along every so often. Um, and this is a huge one. I think there are broader questions about whether this is a political move and we're seeing sort of increasing tit for tat war between China and US and then China have gone and sort of banned some some chips from uh, from US manufacturers. And it looks like it looks like we're going to see this sort of escalation. There's an equivalent thing going on with you know manufacturers and the and the, the supply chains and making sure that they're insulating from any china threat but us as marketers also have to be um aware that we are subject to these sorts of geopolitical moves and we are not immune to it Absolutely. and if they if china us uh, tensions do escalate we are all going to be impacted tiktok is the first of these but there, there will be others yeah um, completely completely agree yeah. i'm actually going to jump into a question now rather than heading to it at the end but we've had a question on our live stream on youtube asking if we're one of these people that's in a situation where we're like wow actually all my marketing is in one place how do we know which channels we should be including or excluding hmm. well first answer is get a free website and marketing review from exposure ninja exposure ninja.com forward slash review <laughs> but typically there are um yeah, th there are a couple of different types of, of business. There are businesses that do really well from uh, 
being a sort of interruption type purchase. And then there are businesses that do really well from being a search based business, right? So I think it's about understanding which one of those you are. If you're offering something that people are constantly searching for, and you know that your business does really well in those sorts of situations, then this is about making sure that you've got visibility across all platforms that have a, a search component to it. So this might be Google, it might be Bing, it might be YouTube. Um, and of course, it's making sure you've got e email capture and you know, you've got as much of your audience's data as possible. If you're a social first business and you do well from sort of introducing people who are maybe not looking for what you're selling, but if you can get in front of them, then you can sell them. Then this is about expanding your reach across different social channels. Um, so it, it's it's really difficult to answer that in a in a one size fits all way because it really depends on your business and how you're best sort of introducing yourself to to com uh, customers and how you get found. But usually you're either in the search bucket or the social type bucket. Yeah, absolutely. Tim uses a great example um, and has used it in a couple of like previous videos about how like if you're a locksmith you're probably not going to want to be focusing on social media because if somebody's locked outside the house, they're not just going to sit on their doorstep scrolling social media in the hopes that they're going to see, you know, a post from your Instagram or an ad, you know, like that. They're right. going to be going straight to Google and typing in locksmith now. And you want to be there. You want to be yeah. at the top. You want to be in the ads and you want to be targeting your content on your website to be organic, you know, to target organic traffic even. So there's definitely... It really, really depends on your business. Um, and you can look at things like, you know, your audience demographic, your audience journey as well, the way that they're finding their way to you. Like we said with the locksmith one, it's normally very instant, right? Whereas with something like a car, it might take a little bit longer for that person to warm up and you're going to have to meet them at a bunch of um, yeah. different places, really. And I think, yeah, we've had another question about like, what's the biggest mistake businesses make with multi-channel marketing? you can do the opposite to what we're talking about. You can do everything and spread yourself too thin or try and do brand new content on every single platform. We've got a whole video about this um, over on our main YouTube channel. I can't remember the title, which is dreadful of me. Uh, Tim, you might remember, but... Um... No, if you search on YouTube, there's like a, a white circle in the middle with loads of colored blobs around it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Jess, this is, you know, business that is incredibly, you know, search focused and they watch a Gary Vee video and he says you need to be posting 10 TikToks a day and they go and post 10 TikToks a day, but then they need to do the other thing as well. And then, oh, I need to do Instagram. Oh, what about Pinterest? And, you know, they become completely overwhelmed, unable to do any of them properly. So we're saying you don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket, but you also don't want to have 150 baskets that you're trying to spread eggs across because, you, you know, you can't carry that many baskets. So yeah. you need... One, two, you start with one basket, then have another one and then add another one and add another one as you're able to and as the capacity allows. Yeah, yeah. We've had a couple of questions on the live stream about like how can small businesses utilize multi-channel marketing and what about if you're a startup? Pretty much exactly what Tim said there. Start with the platforms where you know your audience is spending their time and then build up from there and just make moves based on, you know, if you know your audience is on Instagram, then you learn that they're spending time on YouTube, you can kind of build up, um, but just make sure that, you know, you're not putting everything forever in one basket. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's very important. Speaking of meeting people where they are in PPC and advertising, Google have announced some very, very interesting AI advertising tools today, which I think was somewhat expected, but they've been 
very very thorough um tim i know you've also watched this announcement video today so it'd be great to yeah. get a bit of insight from yourself i mean it's it's pretty they're pretty light on details um as seems to be the trend with ai where people will just announce something and show a few snapshots of carefully curated uh, demonstrations and then it's up to us to sort of read between the lines and understand exactly what this means and um, and where this is going. So the demonstration video shows a few capabilities. I don't think any of these are necessarily a massive surprise. It's just because of Google's size, because of its advertiser customer base, this is it's going to have, if it's rolled out and if it's used, it's going to have a fairly profound effect on, on advertising. So the, the few features that we've seen so far, we have image improvement. So you, the demonstration shows that taking, you take a photo of a product on a plain background you can then replace that background with you know a cat in space or a cat in front of a plant or whatever you can basically text input to change the product image background which is cool because product images and getting good quality product images is a real blocker particularly for you know smaller businesses smaller advertisers but even for larger businesses that want to split test on a larger range of, of product um, creative that is a real blocker uh, we also saw ad copy generation as well. So asking Google, chatting with Google for things like PPC, search ad headlines. I mean, this is kind of interesting, but it's if it's anything like ChatGPT, the headlines it's going to produce are going to be really generic and they're good to get some ideas and it's good to sort of bounce off ideas with something so that you're not starting from a blank screen. But the ad headlines that you get in ChatGPT are fairly generic. Um, the only way of getting sort of good quality output out of them is if you know the sorts of things that already work or you just get it to generate like 100 ideas and then you call through and you sort of refine from there. What I think, what I hope that they're doing though, what they could do if they were so inclined is train their model on ad headline, their own ad headline data from advertisers. And particularly if they trained it on you know, here's the headline copy and here's the click-through rate. I have no idea if they're going to do this. They but if they could do that, that would be sick. Because now we'd be not just getting generic, you know, I need a headline for my personal trainer brand. And it's like, oh, get fit now with our personal training. It'd be like, right, all right, well, we know personal trainer click-through rates and here's a headline that could really work well for you. So that could be amazing. Um, I don't know if they're going to do that, but... I hope yeah, I hope they will as well, because else it's kind of one of those, isn't it, where I suppose the benefit is you can do it all in one place. But I think there might be people who are comfortable with other tools who are like, I know that I get results from this. Why would I use this other one? So, yeah, I think it would be very, very a really wise move if they if they went down that that route for sure. Otherwise, yeah, it, it can otherwise feel like they're just everyone's just throwing AI at anything that they've got. There was a great excerpt of a, a Zoom um, investor call last uh, maybe the last few days and all of the questions from investors and you know the, the investment banks and stuff were about ai and it's just so clearly that the focus of all of the you know wall street and where the focus of the money is on ai so we are seeing companies just throw ai at everything they possibly can and i guess we'll find out how often advertisers are actually using this yes but sure. the, i think there's a bigger question of if generative AI makes its way into ad platforms like it is in Meta, like it is in, it will be in Google, what does this actually mean for advertisers? The lazy way of thinking about this is, well, everyone's click-through rates are going to increase. Everyone's going to be making more money from ads. But I think that 
neglects the fact that everyone is going to have access to these tools. Yeah. So what it really does is it raises the bar of what users are used to and it, whilst lowering the barrier to entry because yes. getting good product images costs a lot of money, but now it doesn't or now it won't. Um, so if we want to stand out against competitors, we have to go a bit further than just having nice product images. And that's one of the things that is consistently missed in these sorts of announcements that you don't sell products just because you have a pretty product image. Yeah, that is like the basic, that's table stakes. What we're really, what you really need to do to have a great ad campaign is not just have, oh, you know, ChatGPT is giving me a good headline. It's figure out why you're different. Um, figure out what that hook is that's going to get people clicking on your ad, going on your landing page and converting. Your ad campaign is not limited or successful because just of your headline. That is one really small component. So I think this just sort of takes care of some of the more mundane aspects of running ads and forces us as marketers to focus on the underlying more important things. Yeah, yeah. What's your take, guys? Yeah, I think it's, like you said, if you were kind of here, like at this level, creating content, now you might be down here and AI is where you were. So you kind of have to sort of, yeah, make sure that you're really putting that effort in where it counts. We're talking mm. the same across all your channels that are relevant to you um, and making sure that you're, like you said, highlighting your USPs, figuring out what makes you different, not just taking the ad copy that it gives you that yes, might have performed well for one business, but might not even be relevant fully to what you're selling and what makes you different. Mm. Um, and I did notice as well, some of the p images that were generated, it's, one was like cat in, cat in front of a planet or something. The cat just looked wrong. And I think people are going to become <laughs> suspicious if they see yeah. pictures of cats enjoying this food that you're selling, which was the example included in this, um, in the video that Google produced. And then it turns out that you notice, all oh, the eyes are a bit wrong, or that doesn't totally look like a real cat. And you're going to start thinking, I mean, they're essentially the customers, right? So if people start taking yeah. this to, oh, here's our customers enjoying our products or whatever, you're going to be like, well, is that a real person? You know, why would I buy from you? So I think it needs to be used cleverly and sparingly. And if you are taking it so literally as to put cat in front of a plant and then doing that, I think that's another area where people are going to have to be smart about how they use that, like, AI generating software. I think I'd seen the way that Meta did it was kind of like, the, I preferred their examples where they showed like, you know, blurred New York skyline, blurred countryside, like those mm. just so show that you can make it a bit more interesting. Whereas I feel like Google tried to take it a next step. And for me, it just fell a bit short. I don't think they should be pushing it quite that far just yet. Um, so yeah, that's... That's yeah, that, that's a great point. I mean, it's it's unlikely that this won't lead to some modification of user behavior and an increase in suspicion. Mm -hmm. Someone in the comments has said, think madmen ad copy versus robot ad vomit. <laughs> it's a great phrase. And robot ad vomit is going to be the sort of the, the, the pattern of a lot of advertisers over the next few years, because you know, if you go into ChatGPT and you get it to write an ad and you just publish that ad, that ad will be rubbish and your click-through rate will be super low. 
but it'll be maybe it'll be better than a real beginner marketer, but it's not going to be the level that you need in order to really stand out and really perform in a competitive space. So a lot of really basic uh, entry level marketing will improve slightly, but whether the whether the average quality of marketing will improve is another story. And you always have to think about these changes in a competitive landscape. I think a lot about e-commerce and you know how sophisticated e-commerce is these days. Mm-hmm. We've got pop-ups, we've got retargeting, we've got remarketing, we've got loads of social proof used all over the place. We've got much more detailed product pages. We've got live chat. Well, e-commerce, average e-commerce conversion rates haven't increased significantly since 2013. In fact, Nielsen said average e-commerce conversion rates in 2013 were 3%. Now they're widely thought to be about 1.64%. So for all of these improvements in e-commerce, the trouble is that all of them, you know, they, they propagate across the whole system. So this is now what customers expect. This is now what users expect. So if you're going to win against that, you need to be a step ahead of everyone else. You need to be significantly above average And what a lot of the generative AI tools produced by default is just bang average. So it's just assuming that you're going to throw your ads in Meta or or Google and you're all of a sudden going to see massive increase in click-through and profitability. I don't think that's going to be the case. This is just going to change what people expect to see with ads and, like you said, what they're suspicious of. Completely, completely. Um, We do have a video coming up in a few weeks about um, how to use AI a bit more smartly for marketers um so you should subscribe to our main youtube channel if you um haven't already it's just exposure and joe for on youtube and then you won't miss out turn on those notifications yeah got that in there as well yes so for our final <laughs> conversation today tim we have this news that's come out about google topical authority which has been quite interesting it's a slight shake up in the um in the seo world well to me it's a slight shake up but you might be like jess this is whole earthquake <laughs> it's not just a shake-up so i'd love to know like yeah. what your what your opinions are on this because i think this is quite a biggie it is it, well it's sort of yeah it is ish so this is an announcement this is a, a blog that's released on google search central which is where they throw us the occasional bone so that we don't have to just guess what's going on with with google ranking and uh, basically they're talking about news and how they rank and prioritize news but they also say, well, this could apply in, in other areas as well. And we should, we should assume that Google, even if they're not now, that they will apply this stuff in other areas. And basically what they're doing is they're explaining how this concept of topical authority works. And they're giving, they're giving three principles and they're giving some examples. So I'll just run you through the principles quickly. They're looking at how notable a source is for a topic or location. So this is basically how much credibility or authority does a website have about a particular topic. And the example they give is that people looking for news on Nashville high school football often turn to a publication like the Tennessean for local coverage. Okay, so we know that that's going to have a high click-through rate or that's going to have a lot of common users between the two subjects or whatever. The second principle is influence and original reporting. So this is which publishers first broke a story and then which are the ones that are sort of following that and linking in. So you get publications like FT or Wall Street Journal, which often are the source of an investigation. And then all the other sites around it will cite that original source and when they write their news stories about the same topic. Obviously, Google wants to reward the original source and understand how that works. 
And then the third piece is source reputation. So this is a source's history of high quality reporting or recommendations from expert sources such as professional societies. So has a publication received a lot of awards in the past that might indicate that it's high authority, high quality. So it has good reputation. So those are the three sort of pillars of this topical authority. Now, this is big news in a way because Google is specifying this, but actually Google's talking about the fact that these things have been in place, uh, I think, since 2022. But a lot of SEOs have been talking about topical authority, and we've noticed that there is a concept of topical authority for much longer than that, right? We've been building... Uh, you know, links on health-related websites about specific topics for health-based clients, knowing that those links are more valuable than they are from a general website. So it's like the SEO in the digital marketing community. A lot of us have sort of identified that this is a thing or that an early version of this has been a thing for some time. So it's great to see this becoming like Google announcing it and giving it some space um, on on Search Central. And I, th I think that's a really positive move because it means that we've got something concrete to work from. We're not working from guesswork so much. Um, but uh, as for like, is this going to change search results? I don't think it's going to change them significantly because a lot of us have been like working to these principles for, you know, to be honest, almost a decade. Um, so it's sort of Right, cool. All right, we weren't crazy. <laughs> yeah, no, totally get that. I think there's another lesson here as well about um, people can sometimes get hung up on DA or getting, you know, a link from the biggest website. Um, and especially for people in quite certain niches, this can be quite challenging. Um, and you've got to remember that, yes, there's value to getting backlinks from huge publications, but there's also a different kind of value that comes from getting links from niche and more relevant yeah. publications in terms of the the people that your brand is getting exposed to and the kind of people that are going to click through um so even though you're not going to get that kind of seo power um that you would get from a bigger website you're getting a different kind of reward which is getting people through from that publication to you who are already in the market for what you sell or already kind of aware um i'm definitely not saying there's no value in getting those those bigger links but sometimes people get totally focused on trying mm. to get into all those big publications when actually um sometimes you get a different kind of value from the smaller more niche publications so yeah i think it's important to remember yeah that. that's an excellent point and I, you're right you're absolutely bang on that you don't do all of these things just for the SEO benefit you also do them for the visitor benefit and I think you're right that's the bigger lesson here is to you know to use the overused analogy go where the puck is going and Google has just their mission has been to try and replicate a sort of uh, a human ordered search engine based on quality and authority all they're trying to do is replicate what the most intelligent human would you know if if, if I said to you um, you know what are the best uh, websites on this particular topic and you had all the time in the world and all the knowledge in the world to rank the actual best websites, what order would you have? And then Google's just trying to replicate that experience. So we know that as users, a uh, medical expert that is cited and loads of you know studies and has all the accreditations, we know that person is going to be a real authority. So it, some areas of SEO, we're just waiting for Google to catch up with that sort of what we as humans 
no demonstrates authority and yeah this could be one of those yeah i would say as a explosion ninja never really panic when there's a big google update because normally the thing they're announcing is just something that we've been doing as good marketers (laughs) you know whether it's like getting loads of good reviews then they did the review update and we were like well it's already good because it helps the customer if you have great reviews and it helps your reputation um or like you know the helpful content we've always we always strive to create helpful content both for ourselves and for our clients so it was kind of just like well duh isn't that obvious but apparently to most people it's not um so it feels like yeah a lot of the stuff that gets announced we're like okay we're already doing that but cool we should let everybody else know so yeah yeah i think that's all we have time for today tim um i think it is just our cheeky little half an hour podcast on a tuesday or wednesday which we thoroughly enjoy um unless there's anything else you have to add but if not we shall wrap up. Uh, no. Cool. I don't think no, there I is. Don't. Other than go to no. ExposureNinja.com slash review and request your free website and marketing review from the team at Exposure Ninja. Send you a 15-minute roundabout video that explains things that you can do today, right now, actionable stuff that you can do to improve your marketing. It's done by a person. It's not done by a robot or an AI, which is definitely usp yeah not yet (laughs) it's definitely usp (laughs) it already was usp and it's even more so in 2023 i think so yeah amazing thanks everyone for tuning in jess as always cracking cracking podcast see you later